It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at White provisions or discover them online at billyreed.com that's billyreed r-e-i-d.com Coming to you live from Greg McMichael's hotel room in San Diego. It's Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed. Uh, I'm Ricky Mast from Emily.com, of course, alongside uh, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. And yes, we are we are at the hotel because we're out here at the winter meetings. Greg always has some uh, some fun and interesting alumni stuff going on at the winter meetings. So he then lets me tag along. And seems like every year when we go to the winter meetings, there's a... Uh, Hall of Famer, Team Hall of Famer, somebody that also happens to live in that city. So we get to record an episode or two, and um, that is the ca- that was the case last year. We went to Las Vegas. We of course had Greg Maddox on, and uh, Perry Menagium was our other episode we did while we were out there uh, from the front office. And this year, one of your old teammates, not just your old teammate, a guy you've you've literally known since he was a teenager, and since you were what I guess twenty one. I mean, you were just out of little, your teens. Yeah, right? I was twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, Javi Lopez. Mm-hmm. Uh, we rode up to his house. A beautiful house, by the way. Uh, this is my first time in this part of the world, the San Diego area, and it's I could get used to this. The weather is perfect every day, and uh, the people are nice. The food is good. It's it's <laughs> Javi's picked a good place to uh, to settle down. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a beautiful. You know, you had those cliffs overlooking the water, and Javi and I got to play a little golf together, and and uh, he he showed us around, took us to one of his favorite lunch places and uh gorgeous you know there's marinas and um it's just the water's you know just beautiful out here in san diego i mean it's always this way of course the first few days we were here was kind of rainy but um but now it's exactly what you would think 70 degrees sunny on the ocean and, and we've got several guys uh, clusco is from out here and javi lives here david justice is out here there's a there's a pretty big and i was talking with the alumni director for the Padres and they have close to 60 guys that live former Padres that live out here in the San Diego area so you know why you know it's not rocket science to figure out why they'd want to retire and and stay in this area because it is really really pretty and a great place for the winter meetings so we couldn't have picked two better places in Las Vegas and and uh, now in San Diego but we've gotten some work done oh yeah yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and um, I've gotten a chance to speak to a couple of the alumni groups. We had a career development summit, which was awesome. Got to see a lot of former guys, former players, and and um, see catch up with them, see what they're up to. Yeah, it's I've never first time in San Diego, and literally everybody that comes here, I've never. This is one place I've never heard a bad word about it. Everybody just talks about how nice it is, and I had a little time today actually. Because we did, we actually did do some work, and we did a lot of work yesterday. We had a lot of fun, but we taped a couple episodes yesterday, and you've been very busy with all the alumni stuff. So I had a few hours today to do some touristy stuff around the mm. city, and man, it's just beautiful city, great great things to go see. And big military town, big military town. I went to the uh, the USS Midway Museum, which is a old aircraft carrier. It's up there, and it's just and I'm a 
history nerd anyways, mm-hmm. particularly with stuff like that. That ship was launched in World War II and anything with, to do with that, I'm all in mm-hmm. on. And then I had to go over to the zoo to see some of my relatives over there, yeah. over there to did San Diego Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> did you know that they let the military on early on flights? I'd heard that actually. Yeah, I'd heard that. Yeah, as they should, as they should. We were debating uh, that, that that we feel like that the military should go first, even before all the first class yeah. folks. Sky Miles or um, what do they call them? Sky Miles. Sky, or sky Miles. Sky, the, sky priority. Sky yeah. priority with Delta and yeah. Not that we're plugging Delta or anything, but you know. Hometown. I'll plug Delta. That's who I fly. I fly Delta. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're not paying me anything. If they want to, that's great. That's, that's right. Please do. Or give me a, you know, take We think that's the cool. military should go on first as opposed to first class and sky priority and women and children. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Couldn't agree more with that. But it is a big military town. And uh, mm-hmm. so that that part is cool. Seeing, seeing. Actually, a former big league manager was on my flight out here and he was wearing a Chargers hat that had the military. Uh, of course, the Chargers aren't here anymore. Yeah. But uh, uh, you said there were several managers. Well, there were a few Bochy at the airport. Bochi was on the flight, which, by the way, and I'm sorry, we'll get back to Javi. I promise you we did interview Javi. But I had no idea. Bruce Bochi was on my flight. He is a large man. I would not want to fight that man. I had no idea he was that tall and that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a horse of a man. Yeah. Like, and, I, it, it, and he had on his, uh, his Chargers hat with the military, military brand. But he's, then when we got to the airport... Uh, he was there, and he met up with Davey Martinez from the Nationals. I mean, they all just happened to be there. Joe Madden, who's now, I keep wanting to say Cubs, uh, with the Angels, mm-hmm. and there were one or two other guys there. And there was, it's part of what's fun about the winter meetings is wherever you are, there's just always you're gonna, you're seeing somebody you know. Yeah. It could be Snit was here. Snit saw yeah saw uh, Snit. Walt Weiss saw Walt. Mm-hmm. All the Alex of course and the the front mm-hmm. office and baseball ops are here. Um, and what's cool, you just wander around the lobbies or the hotels or the, we're all getting into the airport at the same time. And it's just wherever the winter meetings is, baseball just kind of takes over the town for a few days. It's it fun. It was packed. Yeah. There were a bunch of young men here right out of school looking for jobs. Yeah. And uh, we heard from some of our colleagues that if you walk in with your credentials on, everybody's coming up and asking, you know, what, where do you work? Are there any job openings? This is a big, this is a big deal. So there's people here that are just dying to get into the game of baseball. I even saw some former teammates that are trying to get back in the game. They've been out of the game a little bit, coaching overseas and and looking to get back in the game. So I was able to share some things from what I've learned over the last ten years here with the Braves. I was able to talk with them, and uh, so it's good. I saw some familiar faces that I haven't seen in a long time, and uh, yeah, it was it was kind of interesting. But yeah. You come, you come here. There's a lot of different things going on. I mean, there was trade show, mm-hmm. you know, all the giveaways that um, that our fans see, at, you know, during the season. A lot of those ideas are pitched here, right? And I know a lot of our retail folks were here looking at different items that would be would be pretty cool to have in 2020. It's it is very interesting because obviously the part you hear about in the news is the the GMs and the baseball presidents of the team presidents that are getting together to talk about signing free agents making trades all that stuff but there is this whole other thing i mean you just mentioned the creative side of it the retail side of it marketing stuff the minor league all the minor league meetings are here the job fair i was one of those people in 2012 in nashville i came down um and i was fortunate enough that i had a leg up because i was able to get a meeting with somebody that worked in baseball Mm. to, to help uh, but I went down some uh, another connection I had got me a, a pass to the minor league job fair, and I'm telling you, uh, kudos to all those folks who are, and they're all out of school, young men and women just out of school, willing to do whatever and go wherever uh, to to get it, to break into sports. Any minor league team, I mean, there's people there. They're they're going through the room and they're putting in applications for the Orem Owls out in Utah, and then they're putting <laughs> in one here for Oregon, and then one in South Carolina, and just are willing to do whatever and go wherever just to work mm-hmm. in sports. And uh, it's a cool thing to see. But I also remember thinking when I was walking around watching, because I, I had a meeting with somebody from the big leagues. And it took a couple of years before I actually got a job in the big leagues. But 
I remember thinking, man, if I didn't have that and I was here with all these people just fighting for any job they can get, it's a it's a serious deal. Mm. It's cool to see, though, because people are coming out of school and they're, sure. they're, you know, they're doing it the right thing. They come in here trying to get a job. It's good. I don't know what the expectations are if, if they're just going to meet somebody and talk, but they're all waiting around. Mm-hmm. I mean, we outside of our meeting, they were laying down in the floor and yeah. huddled up in groups and talking. So I wasn't quite sure exactly what was going on, whether there's some strategy to what they're doing but they're certainly here trying to figure out a way to get into uh, this great game of of ours and yeah and uh be a part of something we get to do every day yeah we I get know. to talk about it i know we should have just went and had our podcast sat down right in the middle of it and put our headphones on and we could we could have had like a little huddle people would probably would come around and listen i want to set up right down there i walked by uh, mad dog russo's table the other day or yesterday when i was <laughs> oh, walking through gosh. there and i was just walking by and of course he was doing his we should set up right next to him oh and that just would be yell. awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's just yell yeah let's just annoy him it'll be you know fun. he went to school with jim guidagno I you know Jim, that. Jim, I don't one know of our Jim. coaches. Okay. Jim. Uh, I know of Jim. Yeah. I, I haven't met him personally. Yeah. So Jim's been involved with us, and he uh, he went down to Rollins College, and that's where Mad Dog Russo went. He said he was exactly the same in college. Really? Mm-hmm. It's just what, what a small little world we live in here. <laughs> yeah. We are lucky. You're exactly right. We are very lucky to get to do the, to work in this game and talk about it Fortunate. every day. Fortunate. Yeah, that's a better word. I like that. Um, I felt that way. I felt it. I mean, I feel it every time we get to do this show and we get to interview somebody, but there is something extra special about last year, not just interviewing somebody like a Hall of Famer like Greg Maddox, but going to his house and hanging out with him, having lunch, just like we did with Javi yesterday. Mm-hmm. We went to his house, hung out with him there, and, and then went to lunch afterward. And that's that's one of those things where I'm, I'm the fan side of me, I'm like, man, this is how fortunate am I that I get to do this kind of stuff regularly? Like, it's, it's pretty you amazing. Got to drive a Dodge Charger. We got a souped up. We got a Hemi. <laughs> the rental car company hooked us the up. Hemi. Yeah. It, uh, I haven't wrecked it yet. I'm going to let you drive. In the, tomorrow is the last day we have it. I'm going to let you drive. Cause I've got I got a, a Hemi. In my, I got a Jeep. It's yeah. got a Hemi in it. Okay. So right. I thought you would, it doesn't sound as good as that Hemi. but That one uh, sounds pretty good. Yeah. We opened it up on the way up through uh, up to, to see Javi. And was it San Juan Capistrano? Yep. Is that how I say it? Better city name than that. Yeah. It's. I'm sure people are listening to this, like listening to my accent, trying to pronounce that city name. Like, I'm sure I just butchered it. I'm sorry. I'm doing the best I can with what I got here. I'm sorry. Uh, listen to Javi say it. Uh, it certainly sounded better. By the way, it's it's almost unfair. Just in the just in just it's just un, almost unfair that somebody can be that talented as as Javi was to be the great big leader that he was and a Braves Hall of Famer that down to earth and nice and also that good looking it's almost unnatural that somebody can be all those things and he's all of them he's a nice nice guy what do you call it a five tool player yeah he's got like six <laughs> i mean it's right. just he's got it all uh couldn't have been couldn't have been nicer couldn't have been yeah. you know more gracious to us mm-hmm. and uh we had a great time with him so well, i'll tell you what we've rambled on for a while here in the intro we'll just go ahead and throw you it think we now. needed to fill space or something no yeah we, we, we had a good time with him we didn't yeah we, we didn't run That's short right. we're just maybe it's been a couple of weeks since we've done a show so we're just anxious yeah. to be back and talking to you so all right without further ado here he is braves hall of famer javi lopez Well, uh, Javi, it's uh, great being here with you. Getting to well, thank you, thank you for coming. Yeah, getting to be here in San, wait, uh, San Juan Capistrano. San Juan Capistrano. There we go. So we're just north of uh, uh, San Diego. We're here at the winter meetings and um, get to visit with one of my longtime friends and teammates. And so it's uh, it's good to be here. We get the chance to do a little location shooting sometimes. So like I told you, we were in Las Vegas with Greg. Maddox and um we've been had some other people uh Jason we got to we got to hang out with Jason Isbell yeah Isbell Singer oh okay right before we went on stage in his trailer so we've we've gotten to do some cool things like that yeah yeah so it's great being out here we got to spend some time together got to play Torrey Pines that's right never played there even though I've been here for a while yeah and I haven't played there so that was a great time hanging out but we appreciate you inviting us in and getting to hang out with you a little bit absolutely we'd love to just talk about what um you know a little bit about your career and kind of what's going on with you now and um 
so uh, so the thing I'm always amazed about is that you don't look any different. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking. You're my best friend. (laughs) Well, I look at me myself in the mirror, and I'm thinking I got a lot of gray hair, and we're not. You're, I think you're four years younger than me. Yeah, I just turned 49. Yeah, so I I just turned 53. So we're we're pretty close in age, but so you came out here just to try to find the secret. (laughs) Well, I know the secret part of it's being Puerto Rican. No, in the food, you got to look at my dad. He's 82 (laughs) years old. You can count with one hand how many gray hair he has. Yeah. It's unbelievable. That unbelievable. is. That is. I was. Um, I was thinking back. Just you know, we spent a lot of time together, catching. You know, being in the dugout. Minor I was leagues. In, I, yeah, I was in your country. I played for Ponce. For Ponce I was telling my Ricky. Hometown. Yeah. So I don't know. You never got to play for Ponce, right? Because you did. couldn't do that. I did play uh, for oh, two years. Okay. I told Ricky that they didn't let you guys play for your because they had to. They would buy your contracts right down in winter no, ball. No, no, no. But I, I was able to play for two years. Okay. All right. So I think at that time you were with San Juan. I was with San Ponce. Juan. That's right. And we had spent a couple years together. And, and of course you were eighteen, I think, when or nineteen 18, when we met. Yeah, I started when I was seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, you had, you were a big prospect and got a chance to meet you in Durham. I was wanting to ask you what what do you remember back about those that we had played on some great teams. So you think about the Durham Bulls, the in Durham ni- Bulls, nineteen ninety one, and then uh, Greenville Braves. I mean, we had a really that good, wasn't a good team. The that wasn't year, a good team next year. But then Greenville Greenville Braves. I mean, we that was solid. Mm. We end up winning one hundred and six yeah. games. Right, we and set a lost record forty two or yeah. something like that. It was unbelievable. That was the time where you were kind of sick of winning. <laughs> it, was, it was a foreshadowing of t- things to come, right? That's right. I don't think we ever got sick of it, but um, we won a lot. We yeah. just expected to win. And I remember Chattanooga was right behind us. It was like 98 wins right behind mm-hmm. us. And that's where we ended up playing in the final. Mm-hmm. But, no, it was a fun year. And uh, I guess you, Melvin, what a bunch of guys send up in the big league 13, that year. Well, I was thinking back, and I've shared this with Ricky, we want to do a segment just on the 91 Bulls team. We had 13 guys make it to the big leagues, which was unheard of. I mean, that's half the team. And Mike Kelly. and Mike and, Kelly. And uh, you think of Pedro Bourbon and, and – Brian uh, Kowitz. Brian Kowitz and, and Brian Bark and Nate Minchie. Oh, my uh, God. All these guys that uh, – Eddie Perez, yourself, myself um, – Tony Tarasco, Tony Tarasco, yeah, Ramon Caraballo. So That's all these right. guys That's right. end up being big leaguers, league. yeah, right? Yeah. Now not everybody had, but several of them, four or five of us, were on the on the World Series team in 1995. So we were wanting to do a segment because I'm not sure that's ever been done before from an A ball team. Oh wow. For, to, for that many guys. I mean, typically, A-ball team, you know, you're going to have, you know, four or five guys that make it. Yeah. But to have that many was pretty amazing. And, I, and, of course, our manager was a big league manager, Grady Little. That's right. Yeah. So, we had, had them all over wow. all over the place. And wow. I just wondered what, what, what do you remember about that team? Because we want to put together a piece about that. Does there anything stand out from the 91 when you were in Durham and West living there in Chapel Hill and – and uh, do you remember anything about what Well, the first thing mind? is when I first saw the ballpark, it uh, reminds me of the Bull and Dur- mm-hmm. the, the Durham Bull uh, movie, yeah. mm-hmm. which was a film about wow, four years before we played there, Yeah, mm-hmm. two or three years or mm-hmm. something right. like that. And uh, I was amazed by, you know, I always wanted to be there. I always wanted to play there because, you know, what I heard in spin training is like, you know, you got to play in Durham. It's a really <laughs> awesome place, awesome town. And uh, when I finally got there, you know, I, I, I saw the, the, the reason why everybody's so happy playing there. And um, during the summer, we got all the, the, the college students watching mm-hmm. the game. The, the play was packed every night. And uh, it, it was fun. I mean, compared to the places I played before, hmm. which was Pulaski and Bradenton. <laughs> Pulaski. <laughs> hey. hey, that's his neck of the woods. That I mean, is, you know. my, my, my dad was a race car driver, and I swear he did. He won a race at Pulaski County Speedway. <laughs> oh, wow. In like 1989, I think. So, yes, that is. But having been to Pulaski, yes, I can understand you not wanting to play there. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but, you know. Did you ever win a stake? 
hit the bull, win a stake? Uh, did they do that? I then? never hit the bull. No, I never hit the bull. <laughs> I think Eddie Perez hit it once. Did he? I think so. Well, I remember that if you were player of the game, you got this coupon to go to Chapel Hill and you get the flying burrito and you got a free burrito. And I was just newly married and I won player of the game one night and I said, honey, we're going to get a free burrito. We're going tomorrow for lunch. And we were very excited. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I do remember that if you were a player of the week, you get this, uh, it was a yellow uh, small car that you get to drive for a whole week. <laughs> Uh, I like remember. a VW Bug or something? It's, it was something really small. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I can't remember what was it, but it was yellow, and we were hoping that we can, <laughs> we can get the player of the week so we can drive it all, the whole week. Oh, my gosh. That I remember awesome. that. What do you remember about uh, catching Greg McMichael? Do you, or what, what kind of pitcher was he like to, uh, to catch? Uh, he was slow, slower, and, and, and stopped. <laughs> and stop. <laughs> Javi loved me. He had one sign for me. Oh, yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is that when you threw that fastball, like 85, for, for the hitters, it's like seeing a 100-miles-per-hour fastball because his changer was – he was you, – you probably had the slowest changeup I ever caught on any pitcher in the big league. I mean, because I, I caught quite a few, and the change of it, nothing <laughs> slower than yours. Yeah, and, I, and, and the whole motion, the whole – it tricks a lot of players. I it mean, was funky. I mean, that, there's a reason why he stayed in the big league quite a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, Javi was there when I actually learned my changeup. I remember going in, in Winston-Salem and telling him, and I shared this story on the podcast, but telling him, hey, I want to work on something, and, you know, went throw a bullpen, and I just said, I'm throwing all change-ups, just, just catch these change-ups, and him looking at me like, where in the world did that come from? <laughs> and uh, so we just, he just kept calling and kept calling. Yeah, I mean, until the, for a long time. the hitters show that he can hit that change, they can hit that change-up, uh, there's no reason to call any other pitch. Mm -hmm. Well, I will say this about Javi. <clears throat> You know, Javi caught me uh, most of my career, and I can say about him, he I never worried about him blocking a ball because, you know, I would throw balls in the dirt. You know, if you get two strikes, I mean, I, there was, I, I struck out close to one guy an inning, which, you know, is pretty good in the big leagues, and but I had to throw balls in the dirt. And, and so I never I had to. I wanted work. to. Yeah, right. yeah, and he would tell me. But but the what's crazy about Javi is that he's such a big guy. I mean, look at him. I mean, he's 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, six, you're 6'4". Six, well, now you are, but you were 6'4", right? <laughs> oh, with the spikes on. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. You can add another inch. That's right. So 6'4", and, you know, and he's big. And so it's hard for him to get low. But then also you think about blocking the ball and all that kind of stuff. Never had to worry about that. him. I never had to worry about him bringing – if he had a bat at bat, he never. I never had to worry about his attitude behind the plate, so he was always great about that. He always wanted to do his best. And then, as a pitcher, you knew you had a chance to win the game because if a game came up on and he was he was hitting, he was so clutch that he would he would get the hit. So, but as a catcher, you couldn't ask for anything better as a pitcher because you knew that because I you know that that was people there was there were guys that if they went zero for four and they went they were just the worst catchers. You didn't want to throw yeah. to them because yeah. they're just moping back behind the plate and. And then, and plus, it's just hard to get sometimes a low target when you're such a big guy. But yeah. you never had to worry about Today's that. Today's days, him. I see most of the catcher putting a knee down, something that I, I couldn't do when I was playing. I mean, I remember Pacarale, Leo, they didn't want me to get on my knees and, 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 you know, and catch like that. They wanted me to catch normal. And, you know, today's day, catchers, they, they, they just sit mm -hmm. their butt in the ground and, right. you know, they stay low. And that's something that... It could help. It can help a lot of catchers. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know about blocking, but definitely to put a lower target. Mm -hmm. Definitely, that's that's a big help. Well, there was one guy, Benito Santiago, was the only guy that I knew that would kind of spread out down on the ground. And Tony Pena. <clears throat> that's right, Tony Pena. And Tony Pena, those two. But you know, those those, those two guys, they can throw runners out of their knee. <laughs> right, right. They were pretty. Good. I didn't have that great of an arm. That, that, that you they had a pretty had. good arm. But you had to come up and exactly. You know. I have to come up. Yeah, well, I know. Well, talking about differences between when you guys were playing and now, I think nowadays guys get I, they rush them to the big leagues a lot quicker now. Like prospects debut yeah. a lot quicker. And I was looking back at some of your numbers. And I think you played a few games in '92 with Atlanta and a few in '93 before you 
were there for full time in 94, 94. Yeah. What was that process like for you getting to just a little taste of the big leagues for those two years? And then actually, I mean, that's a long time, two years, a long time to finally get your chance to really establish yourself. Yeah. Well, in 92, after I get the taste of the big league, came back the next year, 93, and I was hoping that I can stay in the big league. But, you know, Damon Berryhill and um, Greg, Olson. Greg Olson, you know, they they were on their contract and they weren't going to let him go to put me in. So it was kind of hard for me to go back to AAA. But once I was there, I was just having fun. And, and I had a great year in AAA, and they called me up, I mean, half of the season again. Mm-hmm. So after that, you know, that was it. Yeah, I was um, looking back as like Ricky I was just looking at some some of your numbers and and uh, I, I just it always brings back great memories when I think about you know '95 and and what 95. happened and then I think about '96 and that the great series we had in NLCS with the Cardinals. Oh. You were the NLCS, you know, MVP. And I look back and I mean you, you batted. He was on base like 60% of the time. Right. And uh, his OPS was over, you know, was was 1.6, you know, and, and he you hit over 500. <laughs> what I was what I was noticing is that Lemke was ticked off because he batted four, almost 450. <laughs> Nobody's talking about <laughs> Nobody's it. Yeah. Talking about it. <laughs> but, but the turning point for me in that series, which was phenomenal, of course, you know, we know what happened. Uh, but what we don't talk about enough is that we were down 3-0 to the Cardinals in 96 yes. in, the, in the National Championship. Javi hits a home run dead center to win the – basically to win the game, to put us up in the first game to win it. I think we went – then we won the first game. And then after that, it was like the, the Cardinals like, oh, crap. Because, we have to go back to Atlanta yeah. and face Glavin and Maddox. That's right. But we win – I mean, they could have – if they if he hadn't hit that home run – they could have easily swept us and have been over with, but that was just when we started. And then, of course, we went to New York and just just tore up the Yankees the first couple of games, and then they flipped it on us, which They're was kind of weird. Us, yeah. But uh, but that was that was an unbelievable series. And of course, he was MVP, and he just tore it up. And we had several guys. Chipper had a great series. Lemmer had an awesome series, but you had a more awesome series. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was phenomenal. And, and of course, we talked. Brian Jordan was on that team, and Ron yeah, Gant right. was on that team of the right. Cardinals. So of course, you know, they that's bitter memories for them. But <laughs> you know, you go back and you look at those kind of things in your career and there's things that you do miss that you don't remember but when you start kind of reading through and um but i mean you just you always had some really you had a lot of clutch moments for us or else we wouldn't have been world champions in 95 and wouldn't have been back the world series in 96 but you know what what went through your head because it's not an easy stage you know playoffs but yet you always seem to be in the a, a spot where you could do that. What allowed you to be that kind of player? Well, I, in those situations, I wasn't thinking about anything. I was totally calm. Uh, it wasn't until later in my career when, you know, when I get into this situation like that where <laughs> I start thinking a lot and, you know, what if I get the base hit and, and, and win the game, you know, awesome. But if I strike out, then I'd be, you know, it's not a good feeling. And that's, you know, later in my career, that's what got in my head, and, and it was hard to do. And I started thinking about how I did it when I was younger. Hmm. And the only thing I can think of is just my mind was just so relaxed and wasn't thinking about anything. Even if I strike out, I would have been fine, you know. And, um, and I guess with that type of attitude, you know, positive things will happen, and, you know, Clutch after clutch after clutch, and you know. I was I was reading your uh, your book uh, recently, and because I knew we were going to be coming out here and talking to you, so I was refreshing my memory going through your book, uh, and I loved. <laughs> Uh, you were talking about in 2003 with the that the Nationals were still the Expos, and so they were playing what around 20 20 games in, in Puerto Rico. Yes, and you got to go home and play in front of family and friends on your. Yes, what was that? What was that experience like? Reading about it in the book was great. So I was just curious to hear what that what you remember about that and what what was so great about it. Very excited, very excited to play in my home country, and um, it was uh, it, it, it was uh, it was very nervous for me. Uh, play again, you know, the whole crowd and the whole my my whole family was there. Uh, the first two games was terrible. I mean, I played good. I mean, defensively, 
and the team were, were playing good because I, prior to go play in Puerto Rico, the Expo were winning. I mean, they haven't lost any game in Puerto Rico. They've been winning every single game at home. And uh, we got there the first two games we beat them. And uh, I went on for four in both games, and I was like, so like, oh, I, I wanted to make that crowd sure. you know, excited. Right. I want to make, you know, I want to make sure I hit a couple of base hits. I wasn't thinking about home runs, and uh, but it wasn't until the third game where I pretty much explode. Right. <laughs> I hit two home runs. One of them was a grand slam, and it was, you know. The, All the, the flags were going. Where I was picture, <laughs> you know, prior to that series is what happened mm. the last game of that that's series. Great. And uh, at least I left Puerto Rico really happy. Mm. That's awesome. Well, that was a great year for you in 2003. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I cannot complain about that year. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was great. It was something click and from at the beginning of the season. And, and you know, I, I carry it throughout the whole, uh, throughout the whole season. And so that was the year, and I was still in Ricky this too as well. We were talking about you kind of got me off the hook in <laughs> ni- in 2003 because I was with the when my last year with the Braves prior to being traded in '96, we were facing the Mets, and Todd Hundley hit his 41st home yeah. run yeah. off of me, <laughs> a little sinker around the pole, <laughs> and that was the record for for most home runs by a catcher. Well. He had the picture and has me pitching, and he wants me to sign it. And I said, like, you dog, I signed it. Uh, <laughs> so then in 2003, you break the record. You hit 43 home runs. Uh, 43. And so now he didn't have the record, so I was happy for that. So yeah. I appreciate you, you doing that. I'm glad you didn't sign it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so his picture doesn't mean a whole lot. It doesn't mean as much anymore. <laughs> that is, for, for a catcher to even come near 40 home runs in a season is just it's, it's mind-boggling mm-hmm. that, that you have the – do you think that's a record that – that seems like a record that could stand for – I could stay on the test of time. I don't know. I, I, every year I keep watching Sanchez from the from the Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. He's he, pretty good. He, yeah, he's pretty good. And if there is a guy who can break that record. That would be him mm-hmm. uh, if he's still healthy and um, and if he play catches all the time. Because a lot of the time he hit the home runs as a DH or first base, first baseman. But uh, does it count when he's a DH and he hits a home run? He, no, okay. you have to be have catching. To be catching yeah. You have to be catching. Because okay. your record is you had 43. I have 43. 42 for the record. Is that right? 42 is a record because one of the home runs was a, a, as a pinch hitter. Okay. Gotcha. So that doesn't count. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, there's a guy. Yeah, Sanchez would be the mm-hmm. one. And, um, I mean, I, I hope all the best for him. But, you know, I'm like – Wait until I die. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Well, that's good. I mean, but you're in good company. When I was looking up, uh, Baseball Reference has like similar players. And I was looking at who kind of, whose career was similar to yours, uh, catchers. So Roy Campanella um, came up. Pretty pretty famous Dodger, uh, Jason Veritek obviously had some great years, and you know Jason, right? Um, yeah, I know him very well. So his was similar, and and uh, to yours, you know, he won a World Series with the Red Sox, and he won it with the. Right. So I was looking at that, and um, but it it's just difficult to hit the to have to be successful hitter as a catcher because there's so much wear and tear on your body. Yeah. I mean, how hard was it throughout the season when you're catching? You know, you're catching six out of seven games um, because you had to have a day off, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just you just can't do it every day. As, as strong and, and uh, you know, a specimen as you are when you played and all that, you still had to have a day off just for the mental and physical grind. But but uh, how, how much more difficult is it for a catcher, do you think, than any other position for a 162-game schedule? He's definitely hard. I mean <laughs> – but the way I was, the, the 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 way my mind works when I was playing was like, if I don't play good offensively, at least I can do something good mm. to make it up defensively, and vice versa. And I was trying to balance everything, you know. Mm. Not a good day offensively. Okay, let me make sure I can catch good, you know. And if I don't catch good, let me make it up with my bat or something. Mm. Um, that that's pretty much through through all my whole career. That's the way I was thinking. And um, nothing, and, and um, away from the game, you know, nutrition, workout, mm. you know, 
in the off season, you just gotta have a good balance and and and, and work hard because uh, it's a long season, and if you don't get prepared in the in, in, in during the winter, then you know you're gonna pay the consequence throughout the the you know the regular. The, the well, season. I never saw you come in out of shape. No, you're well, always in shape. I always hire a personal <laughs> trainer, and mm-hmm. we work out throughout the the whole winter, and it was the best investment I, mm-hmm. I can ever. Do you have done. stock in any ice companies? Uh, ice. <laughs> <laughs> we always had ice on ourselves, right? Yeah. With my yeah. knees. But you know what? I was trying to avoid ice, you know, in front of the trainers, yeah, in yeah, front of the coaches. Right. You know, right. if I ice, I ice at home. Right. Nobody right. can see me. <laughs> yeah, nowadays they'd stick, throw you on the DL I quicker know. than they, anything, they, right? They got you on the scope, like, oh, he's icing his arm. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Start looking around. <laughs> Who's available? <laughs> Uh, you you so, caught Kent Marker's no hitter, right? Yes, I did. Okay, I was curious from the catcher's standpoint. Like, I don't know about the pitchers and the nerves of the other guys on the field, but for the catcher, did you feel is there extra pressure there, especially as you're getting closer to that ninth inning? Didn't did know. Like? Didn't know he was uh, throwing a no hitter until the seventh inning. Okay. And the reason why this is funny, it was I was frustrated because I was I had three strikeouts in a row. <laughs> <laughs> you know, offensively, yeah. he didn't do well. I'm like, okay, well, let me concentrate as a catcher, you know. But I wasn't paying attention to the scoreboard. I knew it wasn't until the seventh inning when I look up and I saw uh, zero. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so after that, then I was thinking, I'm like, okay. Every time I call a pitch, I was praying, please don't get a base. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we were facing the Dodgers, mm-hmm. one of the best hitting team during that time. Yeah. You Eric know. Carros, Mike Piazza. Mike Piazza. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you, it was a really, really good uh, lineup. Hollingsworth was rookie of the year. That's right. I think, yeah. uh, he was they had good pitching staff, which – they, they we battled it out with them. There wasn't high scoring games anyway. Yeah, yeah. But that was a great game. I was there that night, and I remember the night the last play where he kind of snagged a, a little backhand and kind of yeah, ran over yeah. it and flipped it. But yeah, it was pretty. No, we, that but, was the only but, one we got to see. Yeah. Well, outside there was one in '92. There were you up at that point when Pena, Merker, no, and, I wasn't and there. Okay, because that was towards the end of the season, I think. That was before I got, I got okay. called up. <clears throat> but no, he pitched phenomenal that day, and. Um, they, it's not that he wasn't striking out everybody, but you know they just couldn't hit the ball hard. A lot of ground balls, a lot of ground balls. Mm-hmm. Learned Got his change up. Good change up, great curveball. I mean, he, he had it all that day. And he threw hard too. Oh yeah, Worker was one. Of oh the, yeah, he had the, one of the lot more live arms on our it's team. Uh, upper nineties, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. So three-time All Star, we mentioned the NLS, uh, NLCS MVP. Silver Slugger in 2003 and Braves Hall of Fame. That's of those or, or one of those. What's one of those? How would you rank those? What's the, the most special one to you? Do you think of those accomplishments? Well, well, uh, personally, I mean, the World Series. I mean, yeah. Anybody who plays in the big league at, at one point, they, they would like to have a ring in their finger. You know, right. that's that's, you know, that's the main goal. Once you start the season, you know be able to play in the World Series and be able to win it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I accomplished that in 95. And then second definitely was the Silver Slugger because that was, that's kind of like a personal uh, goal that I had in mind, you know, for a long time. But mm-hmm. my Piazza, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was killing me. <laughs> I mean, I had a pretty good season in 98. I mean, I hit mm-hmm. 34 home runs and 100 RBIs and – but still wasn't enough. <laughs> and sometimes a, those awards com- are objective because like, there's so much objective. Like if a bigger market, a guy out of an L.A. or a, the New York, whatever, they get unfairly, I think, get hey, a little he more. He beat advantage. me out of the rookie of the year. So, I mean, I came you? in second. Piazza, I came oh. in second to him. And, uh, there you go. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated by the All-Star break, so you knew you didn't oh, wow. have a chance. But, uh, but yeah, it, it was tough. You had you had a tough guy to battle there. Well, yeah. Yeah. But, Todd uh, Hundley had some good years in New York that you had to battle. He had a couple good years. Yeah, he actually played with Piazza together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Both yeah I was the on that. Team. I was on that team, but some good catchers. But there. Uh, yeah, so the Civil Slugger uh, was my my se- okay. second. Cool. Yeah. 
Catching I, the no-hitter will be third. Catching the no-hitter, <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's not been many of those. No. In the Braves organization. We haven't had one since then. <laughs> that's right. No. We've come close a couple times, but, yeah, it's still the, it's no, still the last that, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go all the way back to you first learning to play baseball in Puerto Rico because, again, I, I was just really enjoying the book uh, and going through it because I read it when you first published it a few years uh-huh. back, and it had been a few years, so I went back through it. And I love the story of the first time you played baseball as a seven-year-old and what happened when you hit the ball for the first time and where you went. Do you, it's just when it, that we story. were playing in a basketball court. And uh, mm-hmm. once I hit the ball, I have no idea what to do. And some of my friends told me, you got to run, run to first base. Well, first base was one of the – it was a pole <laughs> on the side. It was a volleyball pole, and that's the first base. Uh, underneath the, the, the basketball hoop was – second and the other pole the volleyball pole was there and and underneath the the other basketball hoop was a home play so i hit the ball i had no idea what to do (laughs) (laughs) and you know it's just like anybody else whoever started playing baseball you just don't know the rules you just don't know how to do it and my friend invited me to play i have no idea what was about and you just have a i remember it was a rubber red ball and a broomstick or kind of like a broomstick. It was actually like a shovel stick, which was mm-hmm. a little thicker. And <laughs> we were hitting with that. And that's where you learned to play on a, uh, the first first plate on a basketball that's a, court. That's that the, awesome. the first time I ever played baseball. Stick ball. Yeah. It's like New York. That's what they call first, stick ball. Maybe yeah. a little smaller, but so it sounds yeah. like. First time ever. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. So how are you enjoying it out here in California? Well, it's, it's really nice. I mean, we got beautiful weather. It's a lot to do around here. Um, the My family's happy, which is most important. But, you know, as you know, um, I miss all my friends in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we miss you too. Yeah, definitely. I miss play, all my friends out there. Play a lot of golf there. together. I, play, I lived there for 23 years, mm-hmm. and, you know, I have a bunch of group of guys that I, you know, that I left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's exactly what I don't have here. Well, we appreciate you coming back to Alumni Weekend this this past year. So getting to be a part of that. And oh, absolutely. We've got, um, I think we're, one of the things that we're, um, we're going to be doing is um, we're going to be changing how the Hall of Fame, you know, when we do the Hall of Fame instead of January, we're going to try to put that on Alumni Weekend, hopefully. Um, okay. So uh, maybe you can continue to be a part of it. And I know you've done some stuff with Los Bravos and – so just know you know you're always welcome to come back, and, and we always love having you. Of course, being a Braves Hall of Famer now, and yeah. some of my old teammates, TP, just got inducted. You know, you're in there, Andrew, David yeah. Justice. So yeah. um, we've got a good group of guys there, and we always love having you back. And But it's been fun visiting with you. Yeah. One yeah. one quick question. Yeah. What are you doing for the holidays and New Year's Eve? What, do you guys have a big plans for the holidays? Well, I was thinking about going to Puerto Rico, and then once I once I look at the plane ticket to go there from here, we were like, <laughs> no. no, we're, we're okay. going to stay here. Okay, all right. We're going to stay here, and uh, I have my other two sons flying from Atlanta, and they're going to spend uh, New Year's here oh, good. with us. Okay. So that's yeah. what Greg was t- telling me at breakfast this morning about when he played winter ball in Puerto Rico and, and the holidays down there and how much fun and the oh, celebrations yeah. and all oh, that. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, the, pig, the pig roast. The pig roast. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, the music, it's, it's a big party mm. every night. Yeah. And, and you, you just feel the, 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 the Christmas spirit mm-hmm. almost every day out there. That's awesome. That's it's fantastic. Just, uh, it's just Yeah, I, I do fabulous. remember I was telling, because Ricky, I was saying that I was there for Thanksgiving and then I was there for Christmas and I was there for New Year's. And then so my one of my coaches was um, Jose, Jose Cruz. Cheo, Jose Cruz, yeah. Cheo Cruz. And then um, one of the other coaches that were there, they invited my wife and I over for to be a part of the festivities and and of course you oh, know it, it, it's not just the holidays are a big party i mean in puerto rico they celebrate the puerto rican holidays then they celebrate all the all the american holidays as well oh yeah and it's just like it's just like a, a they have ongoing, any excuse to celebrate <laughs> i love it it's yeah, an ongoing we got, party we got, we got well you got uh the christmas day the New Year's Eve. three kings is that what the, three kings the, the three wise men yeah the, that's january 6th and then we have what they call Octavitas, which is eight days after the three wise men, you know, before the Christmas is completely officially over. Wow. So eight days after basically the three wise men, it's, it's you know, 
celebrating Christmas and, you know, same thing, parrandas, which is, you know, music. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Dude, this sounds like heaven to me. I'm moving. You need to find a new co-host. That's where I'm going. That sounds awesome. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was a fun place. But, yeah, and they shut down everything. I remember wanting to go to the mall and do something. They're like, oh, no, it's closed. They're having a parade, you know. Or they're, having, uh, they're celebrating this. It. They're celebrating that. They just shut down, and they're, like, having those parties. It was yeah. good. Party. It's a good place. I got good memories there. No, oh, yeah. They find any excuse to make a party out there. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you letting us come into your home Absolutely. and hang out with you for I'm a little bit. I'm glad you guys were able to come here and, yeah. and visited me. Yeah, that's, thank that's you so great. much. This Absolutely. Is, uh, it's beautiful out here. It's my first time in this area, and I, it's just uh, – well, it's now second, my second favorite behind Puerto Rico, which is where I'm going to head. Uh, <laughs> there you go. So, thank you so much, Javi. We really appreciate oh, it. Oh, my pleasure. All Glad right. you guys came. Our thanks again to Braves Hall of Famer, of course, longtime catcher, one of your catchers, as you've heard there, a guy you've known since you, you were really young i can't remember in the interview if we said since he was 18 but i mean you guys met yeah he was a, he was yeah because he signed when he was 17 mm-hmm. so uh met him just a couple years later he might have been 19 or something like that but it's amazing yeah i told him 30 years yeah he he looks the same and you know of course we we loved playing golf together and we hung out a lot in atlanta but uh, it was good to come out here and, and be able to see him and spend a little bit of time with him i miss him you know he's just one of those quality guys and and uh, you hate to see him move over here to the left coast, but um, but uh, it was good catching up with him while we were here. Yeah. Well, he's he's got a beautiful home out here. You never know. Maybe he ends up back uh, back in our neck yeah, of the woods sometime. Yeah, hope so. But, um, well, listen, it's been a little while since we've had a show with holidays, and, and we only do one every other week, of course, or average thereabouts, about two a month anyways, with Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed. Um, of course, we have Will Smith on recently that was our most recent episode before this one and since then there have been some other moves travis darno cole hamels chris martin was in there mm-hmm. somewhere of course bringing him back on a two-year deal darno on a two-year deal cole on a one-year deal but for 18 million i believe it was uh this front office has just they have not slowed down and as we're recording this tonight i mean we're at the winter meetings right we're literally right at the halfway point right now by the time this episode goes up tomorrow there could have been another big move. We don't know. Maybe there won't be anything. I don't know. Let's, they, we don't know until they, until you all know pretty much. Yeah, so. we, we've definitely been the most active, I yeah. believe. And, you know, last year we got out the gates first. This year we got out the gates first, but we continued on. So uh, the pieces are coming together. And, you know, hopefully there's a couple more moves made. Um, obviously there's a lot of uh, rumors flying around. And one of the things we commented about over dinner is that, Usually, whatever is said is probably not what's going what's to yeah. happen with, with Alex. Uh, he does a great job of kind of keep playing his cards close to the vest. And and uh, so if there's rumors out there, something going on, then maybe something a little bit different is going to happen. So it is exciting. Though. We are making moves. This team's getting better. And um, that's what we all want to see as fans and the organization. We want to see how we get over the hump. And we're definitely going in that direction. Absolutely. It's very exciting because I feel like even though we don't know what Alex, gonna do, Alex is going to do, he has at least said, you know, we need a power bat in the lineup, whether that's to, sure. whether that's bringing Josh back, which I think for – I'll speak for me. I hope that that's what happens. I'd love to have Josh back. I, he was – I liked him instantly from the second we, we signed. We had him on the, the podcast that day, and then obviously with the part that matters the most, his performance on the field. I hope that's what happens, but – with a player like that, there's a lot of other teams that are involved there too. So if you don't get him, we don't know what Alex is going to do necessarily, but we do know he's got work left to do. He then that he's going to get somebody. So that's exciting to me. You know? Yeah. Well, the shoes are huge. I mean, to be able to fill those a Gold Club caliber third baseman, batting fourth in the lineup, hitting 35 home runs. I mean, that's a lot of work. Whether you come, you know, and he was talking about whether you do a combo of third base and left field and you know backup shortstop i mean there's a lot of things there that try to reach you know fulfill that position but josh has left a pretty big hole at this point yeah and uh but you know we're all aware of it alex is aware of it and his team and and they're uh 
I'm sure they're turning over every stone and figuring out the best possible way to, you know, it is a business. I mean, there are, there are certain financial restrictions and, and, um, you know, we weren't going to go out and, and offer, you know, the two best pitchers in the game at this point, or two best free agents with Strasburg and, and Cole offer them both contracts. It's just not going to happen. Right. But there's a lot of creative ways to, to, um, do we, and obviously bolstering the, the bullpen and, mm-hmm. And then we got a great catcher, and so there's there's a lot of things happening right now that it should be Braves fans should be excited about. We're going to get a power bat. We don't know who it'll be, what position they'll play necessarily. Probably third base or outfield, but they've said that that's going to happen. And Alex has said that uh, he's he's not that there could still be an addition to the rotation. That that's still in play. So sure. it's again by the time this goes live tomorrow, some of these things could have happened. I, I hope that's the case, uh, but it'll be fun to fun to see. So. All right. Well, thanks again to Javi Lopez um, for not only being on the show, but ha- for having us out to his house and, and for taking us out for burgers for lunch. That was <laughs> that was quite pleasant. And it wasn't in out. It wasn't we, in and we out. We tried to go there, but he said, yeah. no, we got another better burger place than that. I've still never been to an in and out so we were finally going to get me over that hump. <laughs> I was finally going to do it. And uh, I, I could tell like, he's like, you guys want to go? We finished taping. He's like, you guys want to go for lunch? And you were like, yeah, we were thinking about going to In-N-Out. And he just kind of looked at us like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you're like, where were you thinking? I was thinking of taking you somewhere better than that. <laughs> so, anyway. He didn't have to twist our arm very hard. I know. He didn't. He didn't. So, all right. Well, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.